This is the Chiefs' official podcast network. Take advantage of the day. When you get an opportunity in this game, you make a play. The playmakers on three. One, two, three. Touchdown, Kansas City. The Chiefs are right in the thick of it, baby. And hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Defending the Kingdom as we continue our basic two-month uh, journey, not only through the Chiefs' uh, roster, but we take a look at position by position, the Chiefs compared to everybody else, and then taking a look ahead to the draft. We're going to walk you all the way up to the draft. We have already looked at the defensive line. We've already looked at the offensive line. You can go back and check the archives for those past shows. Uh, but now we're going to get right in the wheelhouse of my co-host. Mitch Holtis with you, the voice of the world champion, Kansas City Chiefs. And with me is a 10-year linebacker in the National Football League. You know him as the shop. You know him as barbershop. You know him as the Spider-Man. And you should know him as a National Football League linebacker. We are in your wheelhouse, Sean Barber, because today we're at your position to look at where the Chiefs are with this spot, where the league is with free agency and such, and then also looking at the linebackers in the 2020 draft. So welcome to your position, buddy. You're, you're home here. <laughs> so humble to be uh, back defending the kingdom, especially when we're talking about linebackers, something that I hold near and dear to my heart. Um, how do we find them? Um, how they're bred. You're not, you're not, you're not, you, you, you don't build a linebacker. You're born a linebacker. It's a way of life. It's a mentality. It's a mindset. Um, and sometimes on film, your eyes lie to you when you're looking at the linebacker position. Sometimes stats lie. Sometimes speed during the combine lies. That's going to be a foreshadowing to when we talk about the combine. But uh, all, all in all, if you see a guy, if he makes plays, he's instinctive. More than likely, he's a solid linebacker. He's a solid ball player. Now you got to, Get in the meetings, the one-on-ones. You got to see what his what his moxie is, what his makeup is. Can he lead a room a room of grown men when it when it's nut crutching time? Uh, when you're down 14 points and you're down 10 points, it's the postseason. The other team's trying to inflict their will on you. One more first down, and that's the game. Can that guy rise up in front of the other grown men, in front of that huddle of 10 other guys, and say, "We're going to stop them right here, right now. They don't get another inch." That's the mentality we're looking for at linebacker. That was Willie Lanier of the 69 Chiefs. I mean, that's you see the uh, stand against the Jets. You just described Willie Lanier and really a lot of Anthony Hitchens because yes. he's wired that way, and he wears the green dot. We'll get into that in a second. I th- Overall, this position, though, to me is changing as much as any in the National Football League. What is an NFL linebacker now? The days of – we just saw Mike Singletary at the 101. You and I were with him. But – the days of the big 250-pound Mike Backer sitting there, you know, blowing snot bubbles uh, in the middle of the defense and barking around are, are over. Those guys get exploited now. Um, as good as Ray Lewis was, the Ray Lewis's, I don't know where their place is for them. Now it's become these hybrid guys. I've got to be able to cover uh, more like the way you played. I've got to be able to cover, but I still have to play the run. I've got to play downhill. Uh, or if they're coming at me on some ISO or power O inside in the B gap, I got to play that. Yeah, we got we got some kingdom people to just now try to turn off because we said <laughs> Willie Lanier and Singletary might not survive in the NFL the way. It, no, no, no. Those guys got so much intensity. That They'd they, make it. They, they, yeah. they find a way. To and so would Ray Lewis. To, Let's to, don't save the to, tweets. To recreate their, their 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 mindset and their game to fit today's game. But the way they did play during their era is almost null and void in the current. NFL system. The NFL system is so much about creating matchup problems, 
um, and creating personnel problems that if you had a Mike linebacker and the only thing he could do was go tackle to tackle and run stop and, 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 and put his helmet on, you know, one-on-one against a fullback and make tackles for loss, if that's the only thing he could do, we got, man, Ertz, Kittles, Kelsey, they would go for 10 catches, two touchdowns, 100 yards every ball game against that type of linebacker. So the Hitchens, the Barbers, the, um, the, the, the these uh, John Mobleys, the Dexter Coaxleys, the, um, th- those linebackers of the world are, are so crucial to the way defenses are playing now. It's a pass first, be able to rally to the ball. You need playmakers at all 11 positions. And I think that's the difference about the football that you see today. Today's defense is built off guys making plays, playmakers being all over the field in all three positions, as opposed to years ago it was hard-nosed, tough, smart. Um, give me give me 11 guys that can line up and, and uh, run through a brick wall. And uh, that, that was the type of defense that people were used to. Now, now it's, it's, a, it's an educated game now. So guys got to be smart. You got to be able to adjust uh, to what offense is doing and, and got to be able to adjust what your coordinator wants you to do and be able to make plays. Yeah, it's the old Ray Nitschke uh, prison guards on Mean Machine, you know, no teeth, uh, <laughs> looking and staring at you at the quarterback uh, across the way. Uh, maybe that's a dinosaur now. But this position – to me, there were six linebackers generally on the 53-man roster almost for the entire season. And of those six, I thought this group uh, grew as much as any group, uh, particularly in the defense, maybe as any on the team, especially when the team defense for the Chiefs went from being kind of, well, what are they? They're kind of learning under Spag's system and then became arguably the best defense after the Tennessee game really after the Tennessee game all the way to the Super Bowl, this defense statistically and most of the major metrics were the top team in the league. All right, those six guys, three of those are under contract. Anthony Hitchens, Ben Neiman, and those two, interestingly enough, were the green dot, meaning that they're the guys that Spags will talk to with the, with the uh, communication from the sideline. And then there's Dorian O'Daniel, who got to play more and more as the season went on. He's kind of that definition of the hybrid linebacker. Reggie Raglan, free agent. Darian Lee, free agent, and Damian Wilson, who I thought improved as much as anybody maybe in this group and on the team, um, is a club option, free agent. So we'll see how this goes. But of those six guys, what the Chiefs already have, um, what do you see there, think there? And I did see growth in those guys, and I thought the defense went to another level, especially because these guys went to another level. Yeah, they, they went to battle. Um, you said the, the way the season started off. Um, a lot of pressure was put on the defense, especially the linebackers, be able to make calls, get guys aligned and signed. Um, and whenever there's a new defense, the terminology is new. The guys you're, you know, playing in front of you and behind you are new. You're, you're learning how to fit off one another. You're learning how hard is this linebacker going to hit this this gap? You know, how 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 quickly are we going to change the call when this wide receiver goes in formation from being strong left to strong right? When are we going to make the call? When are we going to switch? When aren't we? And so between the safety position and the linebacker position, everybody had to kind of get on the same page. And you found out, you know, there was a game that came and exploited that more so than any other game this year was that Green Bay Packer game. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers um, came in here with Green Bay, and they was able to uh, isolate and work on a man-to-man between their running backs and our linebackers like never before seen. So many plays, so many scoring strikes, big plays went against the linebacker crew in that one game that it almost, it almost caused a lot of the fan base to lose faith 
could this defense become something uh, of a playoff defense if at the linebacker position we can't stop a team like Green Bay? But what you saw from that was some scar tissue, right? They scarred up. They got to the film room. And what the coaching staff and what the players realized was, hey, man, if, if linebackers just can focus on the run and we can help underneath on the pass, we don't allow ourselves to get isolated with, you know, single coverage out on, out wide against running backs. I mean, if that's the only one weakness and we know about it, we can adjust to that. That's a simple adjustment. Uh, send a safety out there to cover them. If that's the only thing you can do to try to create uh, big plays against this defense, and what we found out about it, that was the only thing. That was the, the simple adjustment that was made. And once that turning point, once we created, uh, um, we started to dictate towards offenses what you could and could not do, you saw this, this defense take on a whole nother face, a whole nother facade. Um, and they became, at that point, working and turning and turning and churning toward that defense we saw at the end of the season that was not one of the top five, I think was the top defense in the league yep. as we got into the playoffs. Yeah, and Spags will tell you, too, that that uh, Green Bay game, particularly with the coverages, was a watershed moment in, in changing schematics um, and looking at you know personnel different, what they could and could not do. Keep in mind, though, the next week in that Minnesota game, they stepped up and made plays. The Chiefs got two stops against Minnesota. We, I know we, Matt Moore did a great job in that game. We see the 91-yard run. We talk about that um, from the offense, but the defense got the stops. They got two three-and-outs back-to-back against that really good Stefan Diggs and Mack and all the others, and so that defense started to come alive. The other against the run game was the Tennessee game at Tennessee. Uh, the 69-yard run by Derrick Henry, the other big plays. That's the other one Spags will tell you became a watershed moment in the run game as far as defense, and things started to turn, and then it came together. Okay, crockpot guys. If you The crockpot guys, again, not a demeaning term. These are guys that are developmental, that have been in your system that fans forget about, either because of injury uh, or they put on the practice squad or they're on some in their injured list. There's not a big crockpot with this group. Uh, Darius Harris, we saw him some at training camp in the preseason, was on the non-football injured list. And so Darius Harris really, to me, is the only guy on the roster that puts in this crockpot category. But whether you're a crockpot, a free agent trying to figure out, does the team want me or am I coming back? To me, with Spags at this position, there's three areas. Flexibility. Because we just talked about it. you got to do a lot of things now as a linebacker. Two, availability. And I don't mean just physically available. I mean not just being well healthy and staying off the injured list. It's also being available mentally and emotionally. Because this defense was mentally and emotionally available in the run to the Super Bowl uh, championship. And then reliability. Can I rely on you? If I'm going to put a green dot on your helmet, can I rely on you? If I'm going to give you a bunch of other, here's how we're going to adjust after the Green Bay game. Can I rely on you to get it? And with Spags, you played for him. But flexibility, reliability, availability. Yeah, when you add those three things together, those three components, you end up with a, a guy that can stay on the field no matter what the situation, down in distance. Um, even after some adversity, you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't worry about him going into a shell. You don't worry about him playing different after a big play was given up. You don't worry about him playing different if there's a big lead. He's very consistent. He makes the same calls when he sees the same things so that everybody can have a, a sense of trust and consistency um, that, that, that shadows over, over the entire defense. Um, one thing you'll see with our guys, even though, like you said, we don't have many guys in the crock pot, we are looking toward a pair of guys with O'Daniel um, and Ben Neiman, the Hawkeye, of making a big jump. 
mm-hmm. right, from year two to year three, that's when you expect a guy, all right, you've got used to the system, you're used to the city, this ain't college no more, this is the NFL, you, you've, you face guys on special teams, normal downs, you've been through training camp, you know what an NFL playbook look like, you know it's the amount of information. Now, when are you going to be able to just let it go? When are you going to let, let it all shine, let your ability, um, your skill level, you know, your, physical, your physicality, your mentals take over? When can you start to just be instinctive and react to plays? And that's what I'm really looking for between Ben Neiman and, and uh, D.O.D. O'Daniel. I want to see those guys come in hungry, fighting for a position, fighting for playing time, and not let anybody, don't let anybody take their chicken. And by the way, we're way past the first quarter. We're well into the second quarter of this discussion. This is our Defending the Kingdom episode, getting you ready to refit your backpack, to climb that mountain again and go for another championship. But we're dealing with Barbershop's position here, the linebackers. But I saw that in Dorian O'Daniel, and I saw it in Ben Neiman, particularly in the playoffs. They're both willing run defenders, good run defenders, and they can cover the pass. But then Neiman's blitz late in the game, remember the 47-second possession, where Spags, I've got to ask Spags how many times we ran that blitz with Neiman. He sent him on a blitz out of the pass cover because Neiman was the nickel dime backer, right? He would come in uh, during a, with that specialty group. But when they sent him on the blitz, he did a terrific job. He hits Garoppolo, forces an incompletion, and Garoppolo gets his jaw jacked. You've seen the close-ups now, right? It's a heck of a play. But to your point, I've seen it with Neiman and O'Daniel. I'm really interested to watch them this summer at OTA, see them in training camp, and to see if that jump can be made by those guys. Yeah, not only from a mental standpoint, but physically. Uh, the one thing I struggled with, I struggled with keeping my weight up during the season. So mm-hmm. I was into my fifth season before I could gain 10 pounds. I was 220 to 225 pounds for the first five, six years of my NFL career. And then once I got to my seventh and eighth season, my metabolism slowed down. I was able to get up to 230, 235. When we talk about availability, you talk about being available – physicalness, trying to be, um, you know, an intimidating linebacker. Um, those hits, it starts to rack up if you're under 225 pounds. And that's the one thing that concerns me about DOD is just his size. Now, now Ben Neiman has the frame. Mm-hmm. He has the frame to be able to put on some more weight, but it comes down to uh, your metabolism. If his metabolism doesn't slow down, then no matter how much calories he puts down, no matter how much he eats, no matter what kind of off-season diet he gets on, once he hits training camp and they start doing two-a-days and they start practicing and hitting the weights, um, everybody goes down to that natural uh, weight. And I want to see if he's able to, to really manage that and uh, you know, be a little bit of a, a thicker player, put a little bit more emphasis, a little bit more oomph behind uh, what he's doing on special teams and on passing downs. But I think both of those guys have a bright future if they can just learn a little bit of the nuances of the game, learn how to play the game inside of the game. And I think that if they kind of hook arms and link arms to Hitchens, he has such a, a, a mindset and uh, such a knowledge about the game. And you don't get the experience unless you have the time to sit down with him and actually talk football. You don't see it on the field. You just see him come take people's heads off. You see the, the blur 5-3 blurring across the field, taking somebody's head off. But he actually is a uh, – his, his football intelligence is off the chart. And I think if, if Neiman and Dorian O'Daniel can spend more time around him, learning his thought process, what, how does he prepare before the snap? How does he prepare once the alignment comes out? Um, is he have a different mentality depending on the offensive personnel and then how he attacks um, uh, the attacks the game as a whole. I think all those guys can make big strides um, and, and, and force us 
to make some really tough decisions when it comes to this linebacking group. Yeah, and with Anthony Hitchens, that's in that availability category. And and the obvious one is to be healthy, but the not-so-obvious is to be emotionally and mentally available, and that's on a daily basis. Who's consistent? And that is Hitchens. He will teach you how to do that, just, you know, uh, yoke to him, and he'll do that. Okay, we're at halftime now of our Defending the Kingdom podcast, our refitting the backpack. We are climbing the mountain, getting ready to climb the mountain again, um, and we're going to take a look now. If you look at the free agents in this category, and here again, this is interesting because fans want you to go you know, spend money on everybody. We can't. <laughs> uh, but Shaq Baird of Tampa Bay, Marcus Golden of the Giants, Bud Dupree of Pittsburgh, they're going to resign him, I think. He's a very good player. Uh, then there's an interesting crew of New England Patriots, Jamie Collins, Shelly Calhoun, Kyle Van Noy in this category, Corey Littleton of the Rams to me is interesting. Alec Ogletree was just released by the Giants. He was with the Rams prior to Spags being, or after after Spags was head coach of the Rams. Um, so Matt House, you look at Matt House, you look at Brandon Daly, who are on the Chiefs roster, I mean on the Chiefs coaching staff. Matt House coaches this position with the linebackers. Then you look at Brandon Daly, maybe talking to the New England guys. But this is also a category, and I, I want to be sensitive how I put in this, is you only have so much money under the salary cap. I don't care if they increase it. They're going to increase it with the CBA. I get all that. But you also have to be careful in this position to me because can't you draft this position and develop this position with the way it's become in the National Football League? Because it seems to me like this is a category where you don't want to overspend. Yeah, I got firsthand uh, experience in that category when I was uh, with the Eagles in 02 and it was time for my, my contract to be um, expired. I was a one-year deal. Had a great season. I uh, thought the Eagles was going to make me one of the, uh, the the cornerstones of their defense. And I got handed a formula. I got handed a formula that basically said that, um, you know, you, that Eagles defense was built to pay cornerbacks and pass rushers. And you'll see that throughout the league. The great defenses have lockdown corners and they have great pass rushers. So when you, when you, when you spend money on those two positions – you have to cut corners somewhere. You have to the, – the budget has to be used um, um, and, and used smartly when it comes to the other positions. And the linebacker position is one, if you run a, a simple scheme and you're able to get guys that can make plays, guys that can play aggressively, downhill, um, shock other guys, make tackles, um, great tacklers, those type of attributes, you seem to find those in linebackers throughout the draft every year. You talk about the cornerback position. Yeah, you got to, you know, there's a corner from Ohio State. There's a corner from Florida. It's, it's three, or, you know, three or four of them that might be first-round picks. Talk about wide receivers. Those are, it's eight of them that can go in first round. Offensive tackles, it's another four or five guys that are first-round picks. Obviously, the quarterback position, five guys can go first round. When you talk about how many first-round picks in these other positions, it only leaves a few for linebackers. So there's a few great ones. Uh, when we talk about the draft, you'll see one or two of them. But, but when we talk about free agents, that's the position that teams are constantly turning over. And when yeah. you see teams constantly turn over that position, that allows the free agency pool in that position to be so deep, it's almost a no-brainer not to really pay, even guys in your own system, not to pay the big bucks to that linebacker position because you can always find an a, a equal value out there for a lot cheaper. Another guy that's interesting here is Elijah Lee. Remember him? He had the kickoff coverage tackle on McCole Hardman in the Super Bowl 54. Elijah Lee's from Blue Springs, played at K-State, really good player. And he's been more of a special teams guy with San Francisco, but he's had his moments with the 49ers. He's a free agent. Will he resign with San Francisco? Not sure. But 
he's an interesting guy because he also is in that hybrid kind of position. Like he's a willing run defender, but he can cover the pass. You're talking about keeping weight, um, trying to gain. I mean, trying to keep your weight on. You gain too much weight, though. The dude from Green Bay is running that wheel route right by you, right? And you're going, dang. Uh, so it's really th- – this position to me is fascinating in the way it's changed, how you have to evaluate it, how it plugs in to your overall defense, and how it plugs into your salary cap. Um, and so uh, it's – to me, it's just – it's very, very intriguing to see how this uh, has changed in the National Football League. As we go now to our fourth quarter of this defending the kingdom, refitting the backpack, climbing the mountain once again, or getting ready to climb, and the linebacker position, uh, I look at the draft, and I see a lot of these hybrid guys. It's the way the game has become. Now, he won't be there when the Chiefs draft. I'm hoping he goes to an NFC team because I don't want to face him um, on a regular basis. But he's really interesting because he's a Kansas City kid. He played at Olathe North um, and that great program. But Isaiah Simmons at Clemson, was a safety, but he has destroyed the combine. I mean, he has become uh, one of the main stories of Indianapolis. Man, he's got – yeah, he's a guy from Olathe North, like you said. I was able to see him his senior year. Um, a guy named Marlon Moore that goes to church with me at Church of the Harvest, he was like, hey, man, my cousin plays uh, ball at Olathe North, and you want to check him out one, one weekend. It was Isaiah Simmons. So I go watch the game, and I'm saying, man, this safety, he don't want to hit nobody. Like, like, like what, what do you say? And they said, man, he got offered by Clemson. I said, hold on, a safety guy offered by Clemson that don't want to hit nobody? <laughs> well, this, this young man has gone to Clemson. He's developed his body, his soul, his mindset. Yeah. Now, not only does he hit people, he hits them with intentionality now. He, he, he's learned that um, you're either going to be the hammer or you're going to be the nail. And yeah. more than likely, he's the hammer. Um, he's done a great job of, um, like you're saying, just redefining his, his body, his profile. Um, but he still has amazing track speed. He ran a 4.37. That is unheard of in the linebacker crew. I think it caused everybody to relook at their clocks a few times. Um, but, yeah he, he, yeah, he ran faster than Pat Peterson. He ran faster than Sammy White. All these other receivers, um, did you, uh, Julio Jones, he ran faster than all these phenomenal wide receivers. Um, but he's an all-around athlete. He's a, he's a guy who plays safety corner. He played all these different rover positions for Clemson. He did an amazing job. And so you got to find a, a pro team that's, a, that's, that's able to use his skill sets. He's a jack of all trade. Maybe end up being a master of none, but he's gonna he's gonna be drafted very early in the draft. Hopefully by a team like the Giants, yeah. um, a team that, that wants a, a defensive impact player that they can use in multiple positions. Um, but I think the, the the Kansas City area have nothing but love for Isaiah Simmons and hope hope him all the best with his NFL career. You know, the other big programs have guys here, too. Kenneth Murray of Oklahoma, people around here know about him, being a Big 12 player, and he was dynamic. Um, Anthony Jennings, uh, the Moses kid, both of Alabama. Patrick Queen of LSU comes into the discussion. But let's go back now to what we've talked about the first 20-some minutes of this podcast, and that is this linebacker position, how it's changed, how you view it, how you view it with the salary cap in your roster. This, to me, is a position, too, where I can find an FCS player. Yeah. I can go find a player at <laughs> Richmond like you, right? And I can go find a player who's a Division II player maybe yeah. who can end up being the guy that we have described here over the last 22 minutes. Now, a highly regarded guy out of Appalachian State, Akeem Davis Gaither. I like that kid. He's he, This kind of fits the category, but there's others here in the later rounds where you can get where I might go get a Missouri Valley Conference football player player like a North Dakota State kid or Illinois State kid or a South Dakota kid um, because of this position yes. and how we described it. 
But in the draft, this is one. If you're looking for linebackers, I think you got to dig deep. you got to be on page three and four and five because you might find something in the late rounds that could be a big-time player for you. And the one thing unique about the linebacker position is everybody's skill set ain't going to fit everybody's defense. Mm. And so a, 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 a linebacker that's perfect for Coach Spag's defense might be somebody that people have ranked 20th when they start ranking their linebackers. Like, they don't fit their defense on anybody else in the league, but when it comes to our defense, the way we demand our linebackers to play, this might be our number one guy, but we know he's ranked 20th. So you don't need to draft him first, second, or even third round. He might be available for you in the fourth round. You don't have to give up any equity to get him just because of the way he and his skill sets fits your unique defense. I don't think there's any other position in the NFL where that's the case. I think wide receivers – if you transcend to somebody's offense, you transcend to everybody. Running backs. Mm-hmm. If you're a great running back, offensive tackle, if you can pass protect, quarterback. If you can spin it, you can spin it. Pass rushers. If you get after the quarterback, cornerbacks. Uh, if you can cover, you can cover. Safeties. You're a hitter. You understand angles, high point. Then you, you're effective in everybody's defense. It's that linebacker position, and I think that's why teams turn it over so, so frequently, is that you start looking at people's big boards, and you see – um, the Queens and the Murrays and uh, Simmons, and you, you feel like when you're drafting 23rd or 40th, you got to get this guy because he's a he's a top 20 pick and now he's available. But if he doesn't fit your defense and you look deeper in that draft, and you see somebody, uh, it's a guy from Montana, the Grizz, Dante Olsen. Yeah, love that too. Man, he lo- he yeah, moves like so it. fluently at the draft, at the yeah. combine. I was, now that's before I even saw a ranking. I think I saw him rank 32nd or something yeah. like that outside linebackers. But the kid can move. He has instincts. He's natural at the position. And so, I mean, I could care less where he falls on anybody else's big board. I think that player could be an impact player in Coach Spag's defense. Yeah, and we'll close out this way. This is the way – this is where uh, Brett Veach and his staff is so very good because they – the communication is strong with Spags and his defensive staff. So when Spags goes, here's what I need. This this just accentuates what you're saying here. Here's my checklist. Then instead of a Brett Veach either reaching or taking a guy, he's go. we've got to go find a Spags guy at this position. We'll also close this way in the last couple of minutes here. You have said as a veteran, and going back on your career, this is one where I've got to find a place. Let's say I've played four to five years in my career. Now I'm a free agent. Um, Instead of maybe taking a little more money and going to a place that's a risk, whether I don't fit, I either don't fit the culture, the subculture, or their scheme, why would I go take a little more money if I can stay here or go to a place where I fit all of that? I fit Spags' subculture. I fit the over. I love playing here. But I think, you know, teams, are, guys want to come here now. And then third, I fit the scheme. To me, uh, a few more dollars could mean a lot more problems. Man, and one thing you'll find out with different organizations, and we're not calling anybody out. You know, everybody does things their own way. But you have organizations where the general manager doesn't tell the truth to the players, where the scouting department um, goes behind the coaches' backs and tells guys, hey, man, like, man, you really got to focus on X, Y, and Z in your game, where the coaches tell them to focus on A, B, and C. Yep. And that, that leaves a, compla- a player totally confused about – who you gonna serve? Which master you gonna serve? Like, am I gonna do what the, the, the my, my agent want me to do? Am I gonna do what my coach tell me to do? Or I'm gonna do what the general manager in the scouting department like. Who who am I listening to? Who who actually determines whether I get another year's contract or not? The one thing that you will hear over and over about Kansas City, Andy Reid sets the vision, and everybody has their focus on the same goal. Everybody's going in the same 
direction. They talk about personnel on a daily basis so that everybody in the room knows exactly where they stand in the coach's eyes. And that, that, that falls into place where they stand in Brett Veach's eyes. And that stands in place how, how you hear the um, enemy and Coach Spags talk about them in the media when they have a chance to talk. Um, it's the same message. It's a family-orientated thing. It's family-orientated. We want everybody to progress. We want guys to play fast. Let your personality show. That's something that you hear here so often. And it's the same message from, from, from one level to the next. And when you see guys that are in their fourth, fifth year who've struggled uh, to make a play, make, a, make, 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 their, make their impact on the league, and now they're facing free agency and they got to figure out where am I going to go. But the one thing you know when you come here, you come here to Kansas City, you're going to be playing with a team that's going to be highly successful. You know that that's one thing we do. We win here. We win a whole bunch. But you also understand this is a, 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 a first year of a dynasty. This is the first year of 10 years of, of very successful football, of Coach Reed's offense, Coach Spaggs' defense. It's, it's playmakers all over the field. Um, it allows you to be aggressive. The defense dictates to the offense what you're going to do. Our offense dictates to the opponent's defense what they're going to do. Our special teams uh, we take a second second seat, a back seat to nobody. If you if you enjoy being an aggressive downhill uh, playmaking uh, football player, then a linebacker who has those skill sets, who's not afraid of making an INT, making a pick six, who's not afraid of going and getting a, a tackle for a loss or a big hit, causing a fumble, um, uh, scoring on a scoop and score. That's what this defense is built upon. It's built upon guys taking advantage of their opportunities to make plays. And you'll find so many guys in so many different defenses where that is being suffocated. That's being taken from them because they're so scared of doing something wrong. They didn't get the right check or they, they guarded the wrong person. And now the weight of the world is on them. The organization is trying to get rid of them because they thought they was this. And now they found out they're not that. Come The Kansas City – um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a culture, it's a way of life. Um, it, it's just it's built on truth, communication, playing aggressive, being accountable, being flexible, um, being responsible. And I think most guys that are free agents would love to be a part of something like that um, to kind of re-energize and reboost their career. I kind of feel like I need to get my, my 59 back on. I don't want to take it from <laughs> Reggie Ragnar, but I gotta, if I can get me a jersey, get myself suited up and ready to go, uh, I'll definitely be out there for Coach Spags. We'll find you something. We can put 50 <laughs> or 50X to the third power. But what you just described, too, is one of the reasons the Chiefs won Super Bowl 54, why they have a chance to climb the mountain again, and that is a strong subculture defensively built by Steve Spagnuolo. And not only just scheme, but how they do their business, how this staff does their business, how they view linebacker, how they review linebackers, how they'll pick linebackers, how they'll pay linebackers, all part of the subculture. He is Sean Barber, 10-year uh, NFL linebacker, the shop, Barber Shop, a.k.a. the Spider. I'm Mitch Holtis, voice of your world champion Chiefs. This has been the linebacker edition of Defending the Kingdom, refitting your backpack for the next climb. And our next one will be the position that really changed the linebacker position. We're going to jump deep into tight ends and why in the National Football League it has become one of the more dynamic positions uh, of any. Thanks for joining us, and uh, stay right with us as we get ready for that climb back up the mountain. Thanks for listening to the Chiefs' official podcast network. Ten, five, touchdown! Lock it down! And the celebration begins in our...